Father, as we reflect on this and our other two readings, I pray that you would speak to our hearts and minds. In Jesus' name. Amen. Do be seated. Now, there were two men marooned on a desert island. You can see the smile. One man paced back and forth, worried and scared, while the other man simply sat back, sunning himself on the beach. The first man said to the second man, Aren't you afraid that we are stranded and we're probably about to die? No, said the second man. You see, I make £100,000 a week in my salary, and I give 10% faithfully to my church every week. Wherever I am in the world, whether lost or not, my vicar will find me. I thought, I thought that was a little bit funnier than that, but uh, <laughs> nonetheless. has to be said, as we begin a three-week series looking at the theme, the subject of stewardship, talking about money can be tricky. And I know that full well. Any family uh, in Britain knows that all too well. Talking about money is difficult. And uh, we're not spending three weeks on it so that I can just hammer you and hammer home uh, the theme of stewardship. But so that we can appreciate the breadth of what uh, God has given to us and also how we respond uh, to that. I'm not preaching next week. Michael is preaching next week. So you've got a bit of a break from me. You see, I think stewardship starts not from a focus on money, but of course that will come. And it certainly will be the focus uh, for this morning. But it starts by looking at what God has done to us, for us, and what God has given to us. We celebrated harvest last week, didn't we? And that's a time in the church's year where we give thanks for the abundance of God's creation. All the good things that he's given to us. So it seemed like on the back of harvest, a good time to start thinking about stewardship. But what do we mean when we say stewardship? What does that actually mean? Well, I think the question that Jesus asks in the middle of our gospel reading is a good place to start exploring the subject. He asks his disciples when they're incredulous at his request to feed all these people. He asks them, how many loaves do you have? How many loaves do you have? It's a poignant and teasing question at the centre of this gospel reading. To put that question another way, we could say, what have you got? What do you have in your hands? What's in your hands? What, God, what has God given you? And then in Jesus' instruction in the gospel, you give them something to eat. is a challenge to us that all that is given to us, all the things that we have in our hands, whether time, resources, energy and money, we should use for his purposes. This story of the feeding of the 5,000 begins just after the disciples have been sent out by Jesus. You can read it uh, a few verses before our reading started this morning. Jesus has sent out his disciples to do the ministry that he's called them to do and the ministry that he's been doing up to this point. And they gather back around Jesus to tell him all the exciting things that they've been doing in his name and all the amazing miracles that they've seen as they've gone out and been sent by Jesus. And Jesus attempts at the start of our gospel to give them some space in order to reflect on what it is that they've been doing. He says to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. Wow, what an amazing thing Jesus says to his disciples. Come with me, let's go and get some rest. 
That's an amazing thing. And maybe this morning, that's all you need to hear, is you're in a tired place, you've had life has thrown stuff at you, and you just need to hear Jesus' words. Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. Maybe if that's for you this morning, then you can stop listening, uh, but please do carry on if you wish. It can be the case that our lives are so busy, so busy uh, even doing stuff for church, that we long for some rest. But of course, that's not the way Jesus works, is it? He wants his disciples to get some rest with him. But Jesus has compassion on the crowds that gather in, that follow him. He can't ignore them, and so he starts teaching them. And then it gets late as he continues to teach them. And the disciples become concerned for their needs, and so they say to Jesus, send them away so that they can go and get something to eat, because it's getting dark. But then the frightening phrase at the centre of this story that Jesus gives, you give them something to eat. You give them something to eat. And that's, I think, the stewardship challenge at the heart of this gospel story. The disciples, there are so many mouths to feed and hardly anything to feed them with. And we can feel this in our churches, can't we? Week in and week out, month in and month out. There's so much to do as a church and yet so few resources to be able to do it. Time and again, churches across the land express doubts that they can meet the financial challenge facing the church of today. The disciples certainly couldn't believe it. We haven't got enough money. We haven't got enough money to feed all these people. You see, the disciples are thinking in terms of financial transactions. And we do the same today, don't we? We see the difficulties facing us, the financial challenges, the financial challenges that face us. And we can be constrained in our thinking. Thinking in terms of balancing a budget, of monetary transactions. And of course, I'm not advocating that we are irresponsible in our use of our money. But Jesus, and Jesus' words, certainly, you give them something to eat. That can lead to frustration, irritation, and even downright opposition to what Jesus is saying. And I'm sure that's what the disciples felt when he gave them that instruction. But Jesus simply asks us what we have in our hand. How many loaves have you got? Give me that and I'll show you what I can do. He just asks what we've got in our hand and then he dares to ask us to trust him with it. You see, in giving to Jesus just that small amount of food that they had, he was able to do absolutely amazing things. And I think one of the questions for us when we reflect on stewardship is what do we have in our hand? Are we willing to give it to him, to see what he can do with it? Willing to trust him with what we've got? Marjorie brought us the first reading from 1 Chronicles and that reading comes right at the end of King David's reign. It's been a reign of ups and downs, a roller coaster ride. But one thing David has been usually has been faithful to God. And that reading is a, is a kind of promise to God that he will rebuild the temple or his successor, uh, his son, will rebuild the temple. And we know that that comes true. And the prayer here is a reminder from David that he's acknowledging to God that all things have come from God and he gives back to him only that which has come from his hand. And that's a, a reminder of an ancient prayer that we pray in the Church of England. And I've incorporated it back into our service this morning. And the prayer says this, Yours, Lord, and it comes just after we've given our offering to God. Yours, Lord, is the greatness, the power, the glory, the splendour and the majesty. 
Everything in heaven and on earth is yours. All things come from you, and of your own do we give you. All things come from you, and of your own do we give you. This prayer in the, in the reading that we had from Chronicles, as I said, comes at the end of David's reign. He's anticipating the next generation. And he's making the promise that his son Solomon will build a fitting church with the gifts that have been brought in uh, by, by King David. And of course we know that that prayer is answered. Solomon builds the most glorious temple. <coughs> this reminded me, this reading reminded me that we are gifted the church that we have today, this building uh, and all that goes on here. This has been gifted to us from previous generations of faithful people who've invested and perhaps sometimes sacrificially invested and built this church building. And the church family, as the church family, it's our duty to pass this building on to future generations. Not just about passing on a building. It's about passing on a culture and a church, all the things that we do in the name of St. John's Church in the ministry that we share together. Jesus is... Maybe simply, but it's a challenge. Jesus is asking for all we have and asking us to trust him with it. But this Jesus, who's asking for all that we have, is not a remote being who's asking for blind, obedient faith. You see, the Jesus that we believe in is an amazing, powerful God who was willing to give everything up himself, even life itself, in order that he might achieve a way for us to have a relationship with him. That reading from Romans says we are more than conquerors. We are more than conquerors because of what Jesus has accomplished for us. Jesus was willing to give his whole life in sacrifice for us. The stuff that we give back to him, often maybe just a mere token in light of what he's given to us. So the story of this feeding of the 5,000, I think, teaches us that we can trust Jesus. We can give him everything if we want to. And he is trustworthy with what he does with it. And the miracle story, I think, challenges us to change our thinking from one of scarcity to one of abundance. To thinking from crisis to thinking of confident trust in Jesus. How we talk about money in the church has to change from just being about financial transactions necessary for our survival and problem solving to, I think, a language of expectation and transformative generosity, which then releases God's abundant provision. There are, in the Bible, loads of stories uh, about God's, God providing in miraculous ways. Lots of stories of God providing in miraculous ways. But those stories rarely start with God pouring out masses of resources to an individual and then instructing them how to use it. More often, it involves that individual stepping out in obedient faith, asking God to help them on the way. And as they go in the journey, then God providing them resources. That was certainly true in this gospel story today. They were faced with an impossible task of feeding 5,000 people. Jesus simply said, give me what you've got. They could have kept it to themselves, like that uh, five-pound note that I gave to Isabel. She could have kept it to herself. But giving it away, even the small amount that they had, giving that away meant that Jesus could do amazing things with it. So having set out some of the principles about giving, I think it's only right, uh, right at the start of a stewardship uh, campaign 
to tell you some of the financial headlines of where we currently find ourselves uh, as a church and what I think uh, I'm uh, and the PCC and the church asking of us. Uh, so first of all, our annual income. Uh, I'm just, I've got some uh, stats on the screen here. Our annual income from regular giving, whether that's through uh, standing order or through uh, giving through the envelope scheme uh, or plate giving, uh, and those who are signed up to, uh, to reclaim tax on all that they give, uh, last year came to about £25,600. That was our income from those who give regularly to our church. I just worth saying that I make a point of not knowing anything about who gives what to the church. Uh, I think that's right uh, as it stands and that will remain the case. Uh, that 25,600 is supplemented by lots of fundraising activities that we do throughout the year. Uh, we get fees from weddings and funerals which go into the church. I get nothing uh, extra from doing weddings or funerals. That all goes into the church or to the diocese. Uh, we have some investments which we get some, uh, derive some income from. And then we have donations to specific projects. All of that comes to just over £14,000 bringing, and this should be reflected on the screen, the grand total of about 39,800. So as a church, we generate about £40,000 a year. Our annual expenditure last year on parish share, maintaining the building, keeping the building heated and lit, our church insurance that we need to pay, or printing costs, our costs for mission, paying for the organ, and paying for general ministry, is about comes to the, the total cost comes to about £33,000, which meant that last year uh, we were in the black uh, by a few thousand pounds, which you could say, well, that's great news, Craig. Why are we bothering having a stewardship campaign and talking about money at all? Well, there are some specific significant facts to take into account. Uh, so the first of these is when I first started here, uh, we cut a deal with the diocese and they gave us some support with our parish share. Uh, so in 2016, in my first year here, they gave us £12,000 towards our parish share. Last year, uh, we derived £11,000 of benefit from the diocese in, our, in support of our parish share. And this year, uh, that's gone up down to £5,000. So net, that was a three-year deal. Next year, we, uh, we hopefully won't have any, well, we, hopefully we can survive ourselves. We won't have any support from the diocese unless we go back. So, if you added the £11,000 that we got in parish support in 2017 to our expenditure for last year, that would actually brought our expenditure uh, up to uh, £44,000, which would have left us actually with a shortfall of between £5,000 and £6,000. So the first thing to say is that we get some support. We've had some support from the diocese and that's running out at the end of this year. The second thing to say is that some of that income that I highlighted um, is restricted. So some people give specific amounts of money uh, to specific things, which is fine. Um, they want those things to be uh, spent on in the church. So an example of that is our church organ. Uh, some of the giving to our church organ is restricted for that purpose, and we can't use it uh, for anything else. Some of it is given specifically to the building, and it can't be used on anything else apart from upgrading our building. Uh, we have a some gifts that go to our messy congregation which can't be used on anything else apart from our messy church so those restricted funds um, is income yes but we can only spend it on the things that it's uh, highlighted for also it needs to be said that we can't we can't make people get married in church and we can't make people die that's that's illegal um, and it's called murder uh, so we can't 
We can't guarantee that there'll be an income from funerals and weddings, though we can assume over the last few years they've been steady, uh, weddings and funerals, and so we can assume that there will be some income uh, from those going forward. And also to say that there are some areas, significant areas of spending that we need to do on the building in order just to keep the wind and the water out and to keep the building safe. There's some work that we need to do on our lighting. You'll notice that some of the lights have gone out. It does cost some considerable amount just to get up there uh, to see what's going on and to fix those. Uh, we've got some repairs required for these high-level windows, which are specialist leaded windows that need uh, to be done. And this south wall um, is... Uh, is deteriorating a little bit and needs some attention on the outside of it. So if we assume that we operate based on uh, the, uh, the status quo of our regular giving and fundraising and fees from funerals and weddings, we can expect to have next year about £35,500. But if we maintain our current levels of spending without that support from the diocese, that parish share support, and we undertake some of the important building work that we need to do, uh, which we've not done uh, for the last couple of years, then I think we can expect to be spending somewhere in the region of £49,000. And that leaves us next year, that will leave us with a deficit of approximately £13,500 uh, for next year, when, as I've said, that amount from the diocese runs out. Now, it must be said um, that our although we've had some support with our parish share over the last three years, our largest expense as a church is on our parish share. And I think just quickly, it's important for me to explain where that money goes. There's an, there, there is an in-depth calculation that we get every year. And if you want, as individual members of the congregation, I'm happy to talk through that, where that actually goes and how it's calculated. Uh, we do that with the PCC every year. Uh, but just as a headline coverage... That money goes specifically on ministry to pay for me, uh, which we share the costs of me between here at St. John's and uh, St. Thomas's Church in Lancaster, where I still work part-time, so I'm between those two churches. So we divide the costs of a vicar uh, between the two churches. Uh, we pay for the vicarage, uh, where we, me and my family live, and the upkeep of the vicarage. But also we pay for ministry across the diocese. So if there are churches that are struggling uh, financially, really struggling in, in, in urban areas, uh, we will, the parish share from all the churches goes to support them. And it has to be said as well that the support we've had from the diocese over the last three years, that's only come because other churches have paid their parish share. And we've derived that support uh, from the fact that they've paid and been willing uh, to support us as a, as a struggling church with our finances. Uh, there's some costs that go centrally to the diocese to pay for uh, the, uh, the administration of the diocese, the safeguarding officers, uh, and all the stuff that goes on uh, in the diocese. Training other clergy, which we are benefiting from here. We've got Michael and Olivia who are training uh, for ministry. Some of the costs of parish share go towards contributing to training clergy and uh, lay readers as well. We're de deriving some benefit from having Di here as well as a lay reader. Um, those are some of the headline figures. If you want some more details about how the parish share is calculated and the details about where it goes, I'm happy to talk to, uh, through that with you, but I won't bore us all. Sometimes, though, breaking... Uh, that is a large sum of money. Uh, um, <clears throat> just to say as well that our average uh, congregation week by week is 52 people. So we average about 52 every week. Um, and of those 52... 
There are 26 people who are in, and as I say, I don't know all the names of the people, I don't know any of the names of people who are in planned giving, apart from myself. Um, uh, there are 26 people who are giving uh, either by the envelope scheme, so you get the weekly envelopes that you put into the collection, or you're giving by standing orders. So 26 people in the congregation are giving in a planned way, either through envelopes or through standing order. Um, and then the numbers of people who are registered for gift aid. So if you have said that you are a UK taxpayer, that we can claim some gift aid back from you, uh, there are 34 people registered uh, to claim gift aid from, from all the donations that, that they make. That 13,500 does sound, it is a, a large uh, amount of money. But I think if we can break it down a little bit, that can be helpful. So I've done that a little bit. So if you divide that £13,500 by 52 weeks of the year, we get £259. That's still an enormous amount of money, £259 a week that we are short by. But if you divide that by our average weekly congregation, which is currently an average of 52, I acknowledge that talking about stewardship and boring you with money, that number may go down after this sermon. We could meet our shortfall if we all gave an additional £4.99 a week, which I think is probably the equivalent of about two coffees in a coffee shop, maybe a, just over a pint and a half of beer, maybe um, a, sandwich, a sandwich meal deal and a half, something like that from Tesco's or Sainsbury's. Now, I realise £4.99 extra for people in the congregation. For some people, that will be a bridge too far. That is just too much to ask. And I realise that having do, doing a stewardship campaign, that for some people, it just simply won't be possible for you to give, to increase the giving that you give to church because you already give sacrificially. You already give more than you, you maybe already can. But for others, it may be possible that we can give more. And I certainly wouldn't want to restrict anyone to an extra £4.99 a week if you think you might be able to afford more. And it has to be said that although our average congregation is 52, there are more people connected to St John's uh, than that. There are lots of other people who are connected. That's just an average. Um, but I just thought it might be helpful to break that down into a more bite-sized amount perhaps a helpful illustration to show we are where we are currently. So, what am I asking of the church? If you could just flick us on. As we begin this stewardship campaign over the next three weeks, the first thing I would like us all to do is simply to pray. To take to heart the, those statements and questions that Jesus asks in the gospel that we've read this morning. What have you got in your hand? What do you have in your hand? Have you got time? Have you got resources? Have you got money in your hands? And then, secondly, would we trust him enough to give him some of that uh, or give him a little bit more of that? So I want us to pray, first of all, and ask what God wants each of us to do for him in response to this. I'd like us uh, to take some time to review to review your current levels of giving to the church, whether that's in the amount of time that you're giving, whether it's uh, in the resources and energy, or whether it's in your finances. And hopefully over the next few weeks, Helen and I are going to work on uh, producing a, a list of tasks that, uh, that need to be done in order to, for the church to operate on a week-by-week, month-by-month basis. And there'll be maybe some opportunities for you to get involved in that. But also take some time to review your giving to church. 
We, as a family, we review our giving and our finances every year. And sometimes we have to do it more so. Uh, Alison and Tom are away this morning on a university open day. And man, we've had to review our finances a lot as we contemplate Tom going away to university. But we have to, you have to do that as a family on a regular basis, don't you? What are the, what are the, what's the money coming in? What are the bills going out? And it's good to do that in relation to your giving to charity and relation to giving to church as well. If your salary's not gone up, as many people's hasn't, or your, uh, your pension's not gone up over the last few years, then your ability to give more will be restricted. But if it has gone up, then maybe it's time to review your giving a little bit. So do take some time to review and ask yourself the question, could I be giving a little bit more? And then I'm asking us all to respond. There'll be a number of responses over the next few weeks. Giving all that we can of our time, our talents and our money is a challenge. And we may be able to give more of our finances, our time and our talents. You may be able to just simply join the gift aid scheme that you've never joined before for us to be able to claim some tax back. And certainly if you want to help more, there'll be some practical ways that we'll suggest in the coming weeks and months for you to be able to do that. But if you decide, as you prayed, as you've reviewed your finances, that one of your responses is to give, uh, then Peter Harrison, who's our treasurer, uh, I would ask you to go and have a conversation with him. You can come and speak to me if you want, but as I say, I make a point of not knowing who gives what in our church. Uh, so it'd be useful for you to have uh, a chat with Peter. I've taken the liberty of printing out some uh, further bankers' orders forms. If you've not set up, if you've not got a standing order, or you don't give via, via the envelope scheme, and you want to give regularly to the church, then do p speak to Peter and get one of those forms there at the back of church. If you're not registered for gift aid yet, uh, so that we can reclaim tax on any donation that you give, there are some gift aid forms at the back. I've said too much, but probably not enough. Uh, let's just pray together. Father, thank you for this story uh, from Scripture, where you remind us that the little things that we give to you, that you can do amazing things with them, if only we will trust you with them. And so, Father, I pray that as we continue to look at stewardship over the coming week,